Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewell.com and check it out. What are all the downsides quality-wise? shipping refrigerated and having to ship to your customer via UPS when really when someone buys food, they kind of want it right now. You you don't really plan to snack. It's hard enough to meal prefer to be healthy. It's very impulsive. Welcome back to Pit Stop. Joining me once again is the always sweet Jimmy Feeman. He is the co-founder of No Baked, dare I say healthy cookie dough. It's a dessert that's not really healthy. To me, healthy is like Brussels sprouts and broccoli where you can eat unlimited of it. I I don't think you could eat unlimited cookie dough. I mean, I could and I have, but that's a story for another day. But it's a a safer cookie dough. They use a a preheated flour so that you're not worried about E. coli or salmonella or any of those bad characters. But that also means that it's refrigerated, so it has to be delivered to you. And that can be hard to do on a direct consumer channel. So we're going to talk a little bit about taking the journey that's right for you. We talked about being selective about your retailers. We talked about how to slip in to the DMs of retailers with your authority, but today it's all about taking a route that is appropriate for you and your brand. Jimmy, welcome back to Pit Stop. Thanks for having me here. So I think it's safe to say uh, every journey is different. Everyone finds different uh, different experience. You have companies that love building on Amazon. You have companies that love going direct to consumer sometimes it's a little bit uh, of a mix of both i i think we're all seeing the rise of these marketplaces that want to help wholesale but what did what worked for you and it's funny that we say that call it the traditional route because it feels so far-fetched in our little dtc bubble but what really helped you when it came to finding your journey and going that traditional route Yeah. So I think the thing that really worked for us was mostly keeping an open mind to what might actually work the entire time that we've had the company. You know, when we first started, it was a small online shop, so direct consumer shop. And we were basically doing pop-up events at farmer's markets. Um, And from there, we opened up the first scoop shop. That scoop shop turned into eight more by the end of 2019. So, you know, two, two and a half years into the business, you know, you fast forward another year into the business, we've closed a bunch of shops because we're in the middle of a pandemic and our direct consumer sales are the main core driver of what we do. We consistently learned more about like, do the unit economics in this type of way of getting the product to the customer work? Do the unit economics here on Shopify with Facebook ads work? What are the unit economics like on Amazon and Amazon a channel that we need to grow in? What are all the downsides quality wise to shipping refrigerated and having to ship to your customer via UPS when really when someone buys food, they kind of want it right now. They don't yeah. necessarily want to buy food and then wait a week. You, you don't really plan to snack. It's hard no. enough to meal prefer to be healthy. It's very impulsive. It is. It's very impulsive and it's difficult to you know make that happen direct to consumer. There are people that love our product and they subscribe and they get it online and that's awesome. But what we slowly learned is like there are a few key points that are really important for our business. Things that worked along the way that maybe that business model wasn't perfect, but definitely was working. And it definitely works in general, but it's not what's going to scale, which is a more important point to note. We still have two scoop shops in Nashville open today that we operate. We have two franchisees as well. 
Mm-hmm. Those shops all make a lot of money for a dessert shop and they're working. Do I think that business would scale? No, absolutely not. I closed most of the shops. So that wasn't working. But what was working about it? We were making really cool, like high quality, interesting products. People love our cookie dough. And that's mm-hmm. important to note. They really love the milkshakes and sundaes that we made. And they love that today. They also love the optionality of being able to come in and do that. But what you said earlier is even more important. It, people don't plan to snack. It's impulsive. It happens after dinner. Our scoop shops are right next to other restaurants that are extremely popular. People eat dinner out. They're trying to have fun that night. This is maybe their one night out a week, and they're going to go get dessert out. No, you you don't want, quite want the night to end. What, what do you do? You go get some dessert. Yeah, exactly. Go to the local ice cream shop, wherever it might be. But that mm-hmm. worked really well for our product. So that worked well. Online, direct-to-consumer, what worked really well. Being able to display the product in a way that people understood what it was. So that's also really important. We have a new, interesting product. We are piloting a category. Mm-hmm. Category does not exist yet. I mean, cookie dough exists, but cookie dough that's meant to be a snack does not exist. And specifically, refrigerated snacks in general are really new category. And there's a lot of really great brands out there that are trying to pilot that category, but I would go as far to say that none of us have actually built it. I mean, it's hard. It's it's incredibly hard. I mean, Expo West is coming up. There's just a fancy food show. If you go walk those aisles five years from now, you're not going to see 95% of those brands, especially of the new ones. It's hard. It's incredibly difficult to launch a food brand. Yeah. And, and most people will launch a brand. It'll fizzle out. Maybe the category will fizzle out. But like there's there's many, many reasons why things will change. And so that's definitely a difficult piece of what we do. So what we ended up finding and why we ended up going with traditional retail and then maybe a little bit in an untraditional sense, like I had mentioned before with GoPuff and DoorDash was what makes sense for you? So we want to be able to get the product to the customer instantly. We don't want to have to ship refrigerated as expensive. We don't want to necessarily be put on a shelf next to a bunch of other products and get lost. So what works? That works. You know, going on an app or a marketplace where it's technically a grocery store, but it's not a grocery store. It's searchable. We're able to trend on the app and actually like get up there in the rankings. Like those things all make sense for a snackable product, and they all make mm-hmm. sense for a product that is strange because we yeah. have a strange product. And that, that's the thing you touched on this before. Just make the unit economics work. If it's someone's first order, they don't want to buy six jars of cookie dough that they have to keep refrigerated. It's Maybe once a year for a birthday party or something because they, they want to buy in bulk or they want a flavor that they can't get or they want something novel, but not every day. No. And and I'm always shocked by the fact that there were, I think our like biggest our biggest month ever on Shopify, we sold like 6,000 orders. Wow. And you have to think that. like that is 6,000 people who bought way too much cookie dough because <laughs> it is too much in one order. And we have, we have a small subscription box that we serve, we ship now, which is just two mm-hmm. pint jars. Even some of those customers are like, "Hey, couldn't you guys do like one pint jar a month?" And it's like, "We can't," because yeah, we'd have no, to charge you. We'd have to can't. charge you so much for shipping. You're paying more um, for shipping than the actual product. Yeah, we already essentially break even on that subscription box, and mm-hmm. it's because like the box. I think the box is thirty dollars. Shipping's ten. The product is what it is, and then you, you once you start getting into packaging and fulfillment, you're like, "Okay, well, I guess we broke even," <laughs> which is fine. But it's the same time. It's like, that's not the model that's going to take you to the moon, uh, as no. you'd say. And it's like, what really is going to take us there is like figuring out those retailers that make sense for us. And then as we get more brand recognition, as we get more presence, we can start going into the actual store, maybe some bigger stores and building out a presence on the shelf. 
but you just really, you have to be open to pivoting. And then that's what we've learned through operating a food brand. I mean, originally, you know, I was running something that was a lot more like a restaurant company and now I'm running something that's a packaged food company. And somewhere in the middle, it was, I guess, an econ brand is what people would refer to it as. But really the whole time and what matters to Megan and I is that we were running a cookie dough company where our only goal and what we do best is make really good cookie dough. Our number one value is flavor first. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is not necessarily make a really healthy product that's disruptive and tastes like garbage. And we're not really trying to make a snack food that's just loaded with sugar and made with junky ingredients and honestly doesn't taste that good. Like we're striking the middle ground. And I've been better this year with my, my eating habits, as listeners will probably hear me complain about. But I try to I, I try to not snack during the week. That's that's my trick. So I'm gonna snack on the weekend. It's gotta be good. And I find just the generic Pepsi Unilever products are fine. But if I'm going to eat snacks one, once a week, it's got to be damn good. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is like if you're doing that, that's awesome. But more Americans today are snacking than ever. And I don't necessarily think they should be eating the traditional like terrible for you snack. I also don't think a lot of them are going to go all in on a lot of the better for you stuff that's being made right now. I think there needs to be a middle ground that's struck. And I think the one thing the food industry has forgotten about, they haven't forgotten about it in the restaurant industry, by the way, is that people come for your food. People love, they, they come for the flavor and, and the cool stuff that you can make. Um, if you're a chef, you're not going to try to make a specific diet menu. Usually there are some that do. <laughs> Someone's going to come for me for that. But most people are going to try to craft a menu that tastes incredible. Yeah. Most restaurants are based around taste and that experience as a sense. Yeah. And so that's how, that's what we're doing with our brand. I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, do that. And then all of our pivots and everything that we've done have simply been like, what's the most profitable and scalable way to get the product to the customer? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like what we're really good at is making the product, what we have to figure out. And I think what every brand has to figure out, unless you're some kind of like genius marketer, is how do I get this thing to the customer in the best way possible? We just ha- interviewed the VP of cult indoctrination at Liquid Death for Rubrics and Clicks. And that's what he said. It's all about cans and hands. It's everything is cans and hands and, and sampling and get people to try it first so that yes. they can experience it. That's the name of the game. And the more efficient you can do that, the more creative you can get, the better. And so for them, they found out a lot of festivals, they were the sparkling water that people could buy because it's hot, it's smuggy, and they would even just donate a bunch. So then, then they have people drinking free water at the at the event. They don't have to pay sponsorship. And then they're, you don't have people dying of dehydration at a hot festival or concert. So it's just kind of win, win, win for everyone. That's brilliant. Keep everyone who, who tried it. Yeah, I, I love that. And it, honestly, that that is what, when, when it comes down to like CPG or food in general, that is what it should be about. I had a really, really great restaurateur who's a mentor of mine give me this advice very early on, so years ago. Mm-hmm. But he was like, look, we, we work in the food industry. The one thing you have should not be your business card, but it should be your food. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, that, that should be what you're giving everybody all the time. Like whatever it is you make, whatever you drink, like snack, like whatever it is, like you should be able to offer that. And, and that, that should be your thing. Like if you're a restaurant, like even when you're sponsoring events, it's like what you said about liquid death, you donate, like you yeah. donate the water, you donate your food. I have a friend who has a meal prep company here in Nashville. They seem to be sponsoring every other event, but like literally all they're doing is they're just giving just giving a bunch of free food away. Mm-hmm. Well, the best promotion that I ever ran was 
uh, a trivia with a messenger bot. So you post your score in the comments. And so somebody who would do it would win a, win a big prize. Everyone is a runner up prize, got two free bags, just cover the shipping and handling. So in that way, the, the value of the product covers the cost of what they're paying and people get to try two flavors of, of product uh, of best sellers and high margin that we want them to come back and buy. Then they're comfortable buying that $50, $100 eight pack. Yeah. Cause then they actually know like, Oh, well, this, this is something I want. It's like, it's, yeah. it's not a confusing buy or something that they can't really know if they want or they want to try. That's, that's unfortunately like the problem. A lot of direct to consumer brands will always run into anyways. Like you're really just, unless you have a really good ad game and just a killer website, it's really hard for people to know if they want something that's new and they've never seen before, especially if it's food. That's very hard. It really is. You don't want to spend money on something that's going to be tasting awful, which is why your first value is flavor first. And if you yes. want to find your other values or try the products for themselves, they can head over to nobakedcookiedo.com. Well, thanks so much, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to your podcast. Give No Baked a try and say hi to Jimmy and Megan on LinkedIn, especially if you're a buyer at Kroger. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.